Hello, and welcome to the official podcast of Bishop Malcolm Smith. These teachings are recorded live each week and provided not only here on the podcast, but at youtube.com. Simply go to youtube.com and look for Malcolm Smith webinars in the search engine there. We also want to invite you to go to www.malcolmsmith.org. There you will find other teachings by Malcolm, including books, videos, and MP3 downloads. And now, with this week's teaching, Bishop Malcolm Smith. The Lord be with you. And I want to thank those of you that sent some gifts in the last week. I just want you to know that it came so much on time. The Holy Spirit was definitely conducting everything that happened. But I thank you for your obedience. And thank you for your uh, mail, emails, and Facebook that tells of how these programs are totally transforming your life. That means so much to me. Uh, Sitting in front of the camera, one does wonder sometimes who is listening but um, it helps and some of those emails are persons who are just in the beginning of seeing this incredible message of God's love and I, because of those uh, messages I want to share a simple word but it's a word I can never get over so if you've been in this message as long as I have It will thrill your heart even if you came in or are coming in in the last few weeks. It's Psalm number 33, and uh, it's that last verse, Psalm number 33, verse 22. Let your loving kindness, and I might say that if you are using an older version of the Bible, like the old King James or um, others like that, it will have there the word mercy. Let your mercy, all of your more modern translations have loving kindness, which I believe is closer to what the Hebrew word is getting at. Let your loving kindness, O Lord, be upon us according as we have hoped in you. That, that's what I want to talk about. Uh, the whole psalm, it, it is worth you reading it and rereading it. it. It begins by by just exploding in praise to God. Listen, he said, Sing for joy in the Lord, O you righteous ones. Praise is becoming to the upright. That is, it, it fits your mouth. Those of you that have seen the true nature of God that he is love it becomes you it fits your mouth to give praise to such a God so give thanks to the Lord with the lyre or your guitar is more up to date meaning there give thanks to the Lord with your guitar sing praises to him with a harp of ten strings he said grab anything that makes a noise bang on it, twang on it, blow it, let everything that is in you sing praise to God, sing to him a new song, play skillfully with a shout of joy. 
So that that's the introduction to the psalm. It's as I say, it's it's the cry to praise God, and he goes on to give thanks to God that He's the Creator. And then the second half is saying that this Creator is involved with us. He's not just up there, remote. He started the whole thing and then exited. But rather, he is one together with us, watching over us. And it comes down to this word, loving kindness. And in the last paragraph, which is where we're at, it says, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. To fear God is an Old Testament way of saying complete faith in him. So, behold the eyes of the Lord, those dancing eyes of God, the delight in you, that reveal his love for you. It says, the eye of the Lord is on those who are filled with trust in him, on those who hope for his loving kindness. Then it says, verse 20, Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help. He is our shield. For our heart rejoices in him, because we trust in his holy name. And then, let your loving kindness, O Lord, be upon us, according as we have hoped in you. This word, loving kindness, It's one of those words that is unique to the Old Testament. There's a vocabulary in the Old Testament that we would do so well to learn because it's, you could say it's God's vocabulary, it's God's words that he dropped into the human race. And this is one of the major ones. If you go through the Old Testament, you will find loving kindness, loving kindness, especially in the Psalms the loving-kindness of God. And as it was translated back in 1611 with the old King James Version, they called it mercy. Well, the word mercy has changed a lot in meaning, I guess, but mercy as is understood today does not reflect this word at all. Uh, I'll get in a second to what it does mean. Loving kindness, or maybe you're reading mercy. I say again, it's a major word of the Old Testament. And always you get this exceeding praise, this sort of going nuts over God that begins the psalm when it talks about his loving kindness. So, so it says in, in one psalm that the loving kindness of God reaches to the heavens as if to say that it, we're, we're, we're like the bottom of an ocean of loving kindness and above us stretching off into outer space is the loving kindness of God surrounding us. We're, we're blessedly, wonderfully drowning in God's loving kindness. Or again, he sings, your loving kindness is better than life. He says, something has come that has enhanced life to something that's beyond all our wildest dreams of life. It's better than life. And then one of the major phrases of this major word is, 
His loving kindness endures forever, never fails, never changes. Loving kindness, um, as I've said, it's a fundamental word of the Old Testament, but it is finally fulfilled and revealed in Jesus. He, Jesus, is the loving kindness of God in our human flesh. Loving kindness became human and lived among us, and so we could finally see what this loving kindness truly is. Um, and, and then, and this is very important with this word especially, Jesus brings us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is everything the New Testament understands by loving kindness. For the Holy Spirit is the love of God with us. Love of God in us. Love of God working dynamically in our life in this very moment. That, I've anticipated, is the meaning of the word loving kindness. And so you take in the whole Bible and fill these words with the rich meaning that comes to us through Jesus. Loving kindness. It's it's a word, obviously, that has its roots in the simple word love. The love of God. Now, I know some of you could say this as well as I can, but let me say it one more time, that When we say God is love, we're using a unique word in the original languages of the Bible. That word in Greek is agape. And agape is totally other than human love. And we'll see, especially with loving kindness. So all these ideas of human love, we have to shelve them. This is God's love. And right for starters, God does not have love. Please get it. It's so simple, but please get it. God doesn't have love because that would mean that it's sort of fickle. If you have something this day, it's flaming hot, and tomorrow it's cooled off, you see. And so you'd never be sure about God. He has love, so he goes up and down. And if you have it then it can be diminished, you see. If I have some water in a glass, well, uh, I I could have more today than I had yesterday. And if I have it and you're around, you might drink some and then there's less. And so if God has love, well, does he have as much today as he had back in the days of the New Testament? You say, no, God doesn't have any love. God is love. It is is the very being of God. You get it? He, he, doesn't, he doesn't have a, a treasure trove of love. He doesn't have an awful lot of love. He is it. He is love. And therefore, from the very being, out from the very heart of God, the intentional unwavering, unchanging purpose of God is love. And that is defined throughout the Bible, that that love of God is, and I say again, that 
passion that moves out from God, that personal energy of God, is to unite. That is, He who is three yet one, the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, they are one in love. And now that love reaches out to us and would unite us into himself. And so the purpose of God is ever, always to embrace you and bring you into his life, which is love, that you might share in his life by sheer gift. And then in this world, reveal that love in all that you touch and do to enter into the adventure of fulfilling the life for which he created you. You inside of him and he inside of you, love holding you so tight. But then, of course, um, if that be his intention, there's a flip side to that. The flip side is he will stand with that same very passion of who he is, the same intention against everything that would seek to stop that holding you in his embrace. It's very important to realize that. (laughs) In fact, it's so important. He, he, this... God, who is Father and Son and Holy Spirit, so desires you for his eternal friend that he stands with the passion of who he is against anything, everything that would divide you away from him, that would separate you from his intention, his love anything that would demean you and make you unworthy and less than one that he values to have you as one with him. And of course, that that would seek to separate and divide is Satan, which means separator, or devil, which means divider and all the lies and deceits that he throws at us, which results in our sin, can I say this, and it could take you a week to think about it, God stands with you against not only Satan, but against sin. You see, some people think that God's against you because you've sinned. Oh, read the Bible, please. The Bible teaches this God, this incredible God, who doesn't fit our intellectual ideas of God. He's the God who stands with us against our sin. He's on our side, infinitely on our side. And therefore it's his, again, passionate intent to bless us, which is to empower us for good. It's his intent to favor us, which means he has a bias toward us. He likes us. He's on our side. He's for us. He has desire to be with us. That, that, that's right from the beginning of the Bible. In the Garden of Eden, when 
Mankind, having been drawn out by the lies of Satan to rise up against God, believing the lies and therefore disobey love, which of course is sin. And, and the Lord calls Adam and Eve and the, the, the devil right there and, and says what's going on. And if you read that very carefully, it's what I just said. The Lord stood with the man and the woman against Satan and against the sin that would destroy the relationship between him and the man and the woman. It's amazing. It's the story of the Bible. God loves us. God loves you more than we dare think. We'll start daring. Loving kindness. Loving kindness, then, is that love that I've just spoken of. Only loving kindness emphasizes yet a further dimension. That God entered into covenant with mankind that is if I could say not merely the announcement of his love now that's some merely but he added to that says the scripture his covenant that is God swore by his own being with a covenant oath to say that he would never leave us, he would never forsake us, he would never forsake his intention for us, and he would shed his own blood if he had to, in order to achieve this love intention of union with him. And, and so that means that this love we're talking about is infinitely more than a feeling. Now, don't get me wrong. God's love is feeling. God feels about you. He delights in you. The scripture uses those extreme words. God is nuts over you. He's got fire in his belly over you. You are beloved. But it's a lot more than that because it's sealed with a covenant oath. This isn't being sheep-eyed and all gooey and saying, I love you, I feel... No, this is saying, for better, for worse, whatever life brings, whatever Satan hurls, I'm with you, I'll never leave you, I will bring about my purpose. Covenant love, covenant love. And that covenant announcement faithful unto death worked out on a daily hourly basis that love done in the life of the beloved is called loving kindness loving kindness is covenant love in action loving kindness is doing love on a daily, hourly, if necessary, minutely basis. Wherever we are, whatever's going on, loving kindness says, I will not leave you, but here and now will work out my love now. Now. Daily application. 
and, and loving kindness brings with it all the power of God to do his love. So his love is all-powerful love. There's no other kind of God love. His love is all-powerful. That, that means he, his being with us in every moment. He never sits and says, you know, I wish I could help. Boy, I feel sorry for you. Just wish I could do something. But right now, you know how it is. <laughs> now, that's very human. When God says he loves, he brings all the power that God is to do so. He's always there to fulfill every love promise that he has made. Now, if this is covenant love, covenant means union. Covenant means the giving of two to each other, joining living together in union and that relationship is called loving kindness therefore in order to fully flesh out what loving kindness means it always from the very first time it was used it always anticipated that God would unite with us for real for genuine and of course that's the story of the Bible that in Jesus Christ, he immersed himself into our situation. Now hear me, never. If it would help to say that ten times, I would do so. Never means never. Never does God deal with us on the basis of our behavior never in terms of your past in terms of your present moment in terms of all your futures never 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 does he deal with you on the basis of your behavior he deals with us on the basis of the fact he is love and his loving kindness is his coming to us to fulfill his promise and purpose. Can you understand that? Because there are many that have a vague general idea that God doesn't deal with us according to our good works. They say that like robots but then immediately act out their life every day as if they've got to pray enough and read their Bible enough and go to church enough in order to somehow twist the arm of an unwilling God. No. Did you, did you hear me? Your past, your present second in which you're now living and all your futures, he never deals with us. We never twist his arm with behavior. He never does something because we paid some price. No, no, no. He deals with us because he's love. He deals with us unilaterally. He deals with us out of his own heart. He's in no way changed by what we do. We can't change the mind of God for better, for worse. Because before we were born, he loves us. He's committed to us. It's the way he is. 
because of who he is. He stands with us against anything and everything that would separate us or attempt to. And so loving kindness means he does not stand at a distance, but he joins us, comes inside our human he who created human, now the creator joins the human, becomes one of us, and looks out at life through human. So he enters into the flow of our mind, he enters into our feelings and emotions, he operates in a body that needs food and sleep, and he knows how human can relate to Father. And so he who is God the Son as a genuine human prays to his Father more than anybody else recorded in Scripture, incidentally. This is the stoop of God. God stepped down into creature world, my world, your world, came where we are. I hope you realize how incredible what I just said is. The world at large, and if we're going back to the days of the Bible, the, the Greek people uh, who, who were the sort of world of the New Testament, they, they believed sort of in a god or gods, but the gods were remote you know what I mean in the 21st century we, we say uh, you know the man upstairs well that that's pagan Greek thing it, he's remote he's up 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 there and, and up there he's disinterested in us in, in fact, there's no thought in their mind that God is love. If they were to define God at all, it would be God is power. God is sovereign. As much religion of, of the Christian faith does today. If you go to many, many, uh, uh, you know, the creeds of the church, it, it begins that God is sovereign that, that God is all-knowing, God is all-seeing, God is all-powerful. Way down the list it is that he's love. No, he's the God of power, and thus he sits remote, like some, you know, limitless dictator. And he's observing human life, unmoved, except sometimes to send his thunderbolts of rage and smash your life because it will be good for you and we're not allowed to ask him why because he's above us and he doesn't think like we do actually that sounds a lot like some folks I talk to that's how they look at the Christian God well I just want to inform you that's the pagan God of the Greek people but then of course the Hebrew people who were the ones that God spoke to in the Old Testament and give birth to the new. In the Old Testament, they didn't believe that. They believed that God was close, 
They believed indeed that he was love, for it was in their language that loving kindness was born. But he was behind the veil or the curtain in the middle of the temple. It was called the Holy of Holies, and and God dwelt behind the veil. So he was close, but somehow unavailable. God himself was not content with that situation. It was a massive move forward from the Greek idea of a remote, disinterested God. He he was a wondrous God of love and interest. But the veil, the curtain was there, and God was there. And so there was always that sense of certain separation. But you see, God will not leave us alone. Because he puts a value upon us. Do you realize the Father values you beyond our comprehension? Any religion that misses God's love misses the value he's placed upon us. And so you will find in their vocabulary the words worthless. I'm a worthless sinner. Uh, I, I, I'm a wretch. They, they love some of these words because I grovel. I'm, I'm no good. I, I, I've sinned, I've sinned, I've sinned. They're obsessed with, with sin. They seem to have forgotten Jesus carries away the sin of the world. Um, but rather in the scripture, Jesus revealed to us the value that he puts upon us Love, loving kindness values you. Come on. If God loves you, doesn't that say he's bestowed a value on you? Doesn't it mean that he says you are worth bringing into his immediate presence to live out your life sharing his life? Wouldn't you say just that fact alone says he's put a value on you? Jesus when confronted with religion that said there was no value upon us at all, Jesus, in so many ways, do you remember on one occasion, he says, you people, you value a sheep. He says, and, and, and if the sheep falls into a ditch, you, you, you and as many you can get to help, you go and get the sheep out of a ditch. He said, isn't a human a lot more worse than a sheep? That's why I'm here. He was saying, I am God. Come to find that which belongs to me that I put extreme worth on. And of course, the parables of Luke 15 really underscore that. The shepherd goes into the wilderness to find the sheep. What does that tell you? Come on, think. What does it tell you? That that sheep was of such value to the shepherd The shepherd was willing to risk his own life to get his hands on that sheep. It was his sheep, and he's not so daft as to leave it in the wilderness. Jesus said, that's that's what the Father's like, and I'm sent by the Father, God the Son, come into your humanity to put my arms around you, and it's worth it, even though at the end... It will mean crucifixion, death, entering into our death. It's worth it, he said, to carry you out in resurrection to the Father. 
He told the, the woman who cleaned out the house to find one little coin. That put an enormous worth on that coin. She would not leave a stone unturned until she'd found the coin. Or what about Matthew 18 where the king calls in the servant who had embezzled... <laughs> I mean, Jesus had tongue-in-cheek when he said it, but he was trying to prove a point because that, that chap had embezzled more than the national debt. And it says the king had compassion on him and forgave him. Why? Because he counted that servant's being as worth more than cash. Think about that. Or Luke 10, where the Samaritan stopped and went to minister to first aid to the Jew that was beaten up in the gutter and of course there was an unholy war between the Samaritan and the Jew you talk about discrimination and racism they hated each other would kill each other on sight but the Samaritan counted that man's life more than the fact of all the racial slurs and, and difference of language and color. And Yeah, Jesus is saying his love is upon all persons, whatever they're doing, wherever they are. They have a value. They have a value. God is not disinterested. He is totally involved. He's totally involved. And Jesus, is God coming from behind the curtain to join us where we are? He's the shepherd who joins the sheep in the wilderness. He joined us. Ever really looked at it? He joined us. Was born as a baby even though by virgin birth but he was born through the birth canal he suckled at Mary's breast he was a baby God knows what it's like to be a newborn God knows what it's like to be a child in the womb and then raised in third world in Nazareth every detail of life Oh, everything from getting water from the well, paying Roman taxes, living as the carpenter, with all the details of having a business, playing in the street with other kids. God, God became flesh and he lived inside our life. Authentic human and he revealed loving kindness. He is the love of God in the midst of human. And another word like loving kindness is compassion. It's a very close, same family. Only compassion. That compassion, it means gut-wrenching love. It is that feeling of love when you see someone that is being hurt or in pain or in trouble and your very guts are turned into knots and you, you, you've got to reach out. You, you cannot, you will not leave them. That's compassion. Compassion is ultimate feeling with 
Compassion is a fierce love, for it contains beautiful anger that says no human being can stay as this one is. And I will go to any length and not even bother with the cost to rescue, bring out, minister to that one. Compassion. So compassion is strong love, yet at the same time tender love. I'll tell you, one possible translation of compassion is womb love. Yeah, womb love. That, that, That love between mother, parent, and child... And, and it's especially seen in the animal world. I, I have traveled often and far in the jungles of this world, ministering to tribal people. I've seen it. Don't, don't get near an, an animal with her cubs. Oh. I've crawled on my belly through a herd of 400 male elephants. That was terrifying. But when we came upon the female elephants with their cubs, the man who was guiding me through turned white as a sheet, fell flat on his face and said, Don't move, it's the woman. (laughs) They're there with their cubs. Or young elephants, whatever they're called. And, and we, we watched as those females, they, they will shred you if you come near. That's, that's compassion in, in terms of the animal world. Jesus revealed that. How many times in the scriptures that he was moved with compassion when he saw persons beaten by religion? It says he was moved with compassion. The holy, beautiful love, rage of God. No! They will not remain bound in this foul system. And when he saw the sick and the diseased, it said he was moved with compassion and he healed them. He revealed this loving kindness of God toward the pains of the human race. When he saw those that had sinned their way to the very edges of humanity, discarded by all and particularly by religion. They were called the tax gatherers, more like the mafia today. And Jesus sat with them, identified with them, told them stories of a son that had gone so far he was looked upon as beyond redemption. But in Jesus' story, he was brought into union, into the embrace of the Father. Oh, this is God. This is God come to show us what God is really like, to join us. And of course, the finale, it says he joined us in our grief and in our sorrow. He he entered into every abuse that human gives to human. He suffered because it entered into, there's not a grief, there's not a sorrow that a human knows, but that Jesus went into it. He says, I'm coming in to get you. I'm coming where you are. Ultimately, he became our sin and entered into death and carried the whole lot to death in his own person. And he rose from the dead and said to every one of us, I'm getting you out of here. We're going out. We're going out. 
And he carried us in himself right into the presence of the Father and says, we're home. And the Father hugged us all. How does that work out on earth? As he was accepted in the heavens as having finished his work, then the Holy Spirit was sent to be his presence on earth and to actually communicate into us everything that he had accomplished. One reason that people know so little of what we're talking about is because they are terrified of the Holy Spirit or have just simply neglected him or forgotten him. The Holy Spirit is the one who takes everything Jesus did and makes it real to us. The Holy Spirit is taking my words that God is love and actually applying them into your life right as I'm speaking. That's why the Holy Spirit really is loving kindness. The Holy Spirit is God's compassion. You get it? He, he is love right now, filling the space where you're listening to me. Right now, the Holy Spirit is quietly and yet powerfully putting the love of God inside you, opening your eyes to see that life is not what you thought it was. You're not bound to sin. You're not bound to Satan. You have been carried into the heart of the Father that everlastingly loves you. That's loving kindness. It's God coming where we are. God joining us where we are. And that is so. <laughs> that is not something that happened 2,000 years ago in human time. Please forget that. Oh, yes, it did. Happened right in our history. And there were splinters in the cross. And there was a clock ticking. Happened in time and space. But you see, the Holy Spirit brings that always into this moment. Now. 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 So that I'm never apart from that. I am always in the awareness of being loved to the limitless degree. That's loving kindness. It's covenant love being done now and now and now in this situation, in this circumstance, in this surprise attack. Look, let me say this. I don't know, it might help some of you. How many times do I hear when things go badly in life and the person says, why did God allow this? And, and you'll get, that's about as close, because we're in Texas, um, very religious in Texas, but um, so maybe this isn't true in other parts of the world, but um, here in Texas, if we get a tornado or if there's a hurricane or whatever, right on our newscast, they'll manage to somehow bring God into it as the one who did that. Yes, you heard me. There are millions of Christians who believe that God is the author of tornadoes and hurricanes and destruction and tearing down your life's hopes and dreams. 
They, they really believe that. I find that so strange. If Jesus is the revelation of who God is, he's, he told us who did that. He says, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. That Satan is the murderer and the liar from the beginning. Jesus, God among us, is come to tell us God doesn't do that. He's not. I, I saw a cartoon, dear Lord, must have pleased a lot of religious people. It, it had a picture of God, and you know how they display God, like some old crone just about to fall apart and die, you know, long white beard and trembling old hands. And, and But he was sitting in front of a computer which was... Uh, showing something happening on earth when there was that evil glint in his eye and the button beside him said smite and he's about to hit the button smite them those people say idea of god i talked to a chap the other day and he lost his business and said well i'm sure the lord did this to teach me a lesson god loves you man He's got far better ways of teaching you a lesson than destroying your life. No. And of course you say, well, I didn't say he did it. I said he allowed it. Oh, come on, that's maybe worse. I mean, a, a, a father stands by and allows his daughter to be raped and says, well, I didn't do it. I just allowed it. But what kind of God do you worship? Come on, get out of the temple of Baal and Molech and come to the true God in Jesus Christ. He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. You say, then why all this? You see, we've got this idea that... See, he comes back to it who is God and people say well he's sovereign he's power he can do what he wants which means and I guess he's doing all of this stuff but once I say God is love that changes the picture no it says in Psalm 15 it says that God has put the management of this world into the hands of men don't blame God Satan does and does so in cahoots with very willing humans. And also, the way life is, stuff happens. Then where's God? And He comes, has come, and is ever coming. He is joined to us in this life. And in us, and through us, and by us, he orders life. He transforms ghettos. He changes situations. And when we experience grief, He is the one that is our strength. He's our comfort. And He floods us with His loving kindness and His compassions. This totally changes everything, you know. You get up in the morning and realize God is not against you at all and He will not be in any... He's with you in every situation to be your wisdom and to be all that you need. Whatever happens, we live, you see, resting in His loving kindness. 
We live with the realization that love is all around us. We live understanding this is his arena. And whatever Satan does, that he's with us. Loving kindness, he's love with us now to frustrate every plan of Satan. You see, Joseph, and I know you've heard me talk about this before, but it's a foundational thing in my life. Joseph. See, Joseph was a arrogant young kid, talked too much about what he had seen in private with the Lord, and his brothers hated him for it because the way he said it demeaned them. I mean, kid coming up breakfast table and says to his adult brothers, one day you're all going to bow down and acknowledge me. Oh, come on. Best keep your mouth shut, kid. But he doesn't. And because he could read and write, he's made manager of the whole ranch. And it's bad. And so his brothers, they kidnap him bathe his clothes in goat blood to make it look as if he's been viciously slain and sell him off to passing slave traders. And he goes in iron chains down to Egypt, sold as a slave in the house of Potiphar, blackmailed, lied about, framed by the wife of Potiphar ends up in an Egyptian jail which is just one hellhole huh. I mean that, that's some story did God do that? no the brothers did it Potiphar did it the wife of the Potiphar did it uh, but he keeps saying all the way through the story and the Lord was with Joseph that is his loving kindness was at work there the Lord was with Joseph the Lord was with Joseph the Lord was with Joseph and I'm looking at what's happening and I say Look, yes you see he enters into our adventure and he took every intention of the brothers and turned them all on its head So at the end of the story, when Joseph had been, he had breakfast in jail, and by lunch he was made prime minister of all Egypt. He saved the world from starvation from that position. And when his brothers came for food, not dreaming that this worldwide famous figure was their brother, that they had sold into slavery... Joseph said to them those immortal words, You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. So you planned your plans of evil, and God sat at your campfire and took your plans and frustrated you to the max and turned the whole thing for good. You, you get what I'm saying? There's nothing that happens to you, but that God is in you. God is with you in his loving kindness. And he turns things around and he gives us strength that are beyond all possible strength of humans. 
David in a very similar situation. Time is running out, so I can't go into detail, but pursued by his own son who wants to kill him. And he refers to it in Psalm 23 as walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Okay, did God do that? No, Absalom did that. Inspired by Satan. But David said, okay, if, if it comes to that and I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear the evil because you are with me. That is your covenant oath stands. You won't leave me and your love is for me and your strength will carry me through even this. And at the end of that psalm he says, surely, and that could be translated well by only, surely, only goodness and loving kindness. And in our Bibles it says, shall follow me. That's very weak. The word there means to pursue. And every other time in the Bible it's used, it's when an enemy is pursuing you. David uses it here differently. He says, surely goodness and loving kindness pursues me all the days of my life. Whatever those days hold, he pursues me. He pursues me. That's the loving kindness of God. Hmm. We, all of us, We've all been brainwashed. Been brainwashed to believe that we've got to earn this. We've been brainwashed to believe that God has no time for us until we've done certain things that please Him and attract Him. We look upon Him as a heat-seeking missile. That, that wherever he finds people doing good things, he zooms in on them. See, all of that is pagan. It's not in the Bible. What I have tried to share with you in the last hour, that is the good news that came to us in Jesus. That uh, The one word we can sum it up for tonight anyway is loving kindness. By God's in what's it say? We love because He first loved us. We didn't start this; He did. Ours is a response. Ours is giving thanks to God, as the Psalm commands us to do. What else can you do? This is the one thing in life which is too good to be true, but it is true. And once you understand this, you'll understand why you get this call to unbounded, thanks to God, wild. You know, often when you think of a church service as a sort of extension of funeral services, nothing really happens much. Um, the the singing is, is a low, boring, uh, you know what I mean. And you come across verses like this. Let me read it again. Sing for joy in the Lord. Praise is becoming to the upright. Fits you perfectly. 
Give thanks to the Lord with your guitar. Sing praises to Him with anything that bangs or twangs. Sing to Him a new song as new as this morning's blessing upon you. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. I mean, if that means anything, the person who wrote that has seen something that demands I explode with thanks to God. Praise that He is such a glorious God. And that's Old Testament. That's magnified a trillion times since God became flesh and lived among us and joined us to Himself. What the Holy Spirit is doing to all of us. For though I have been preaching this message for well, well, well over half a century and learning its reality as I go along, it's as fresh and exciting to me this night as it was when I began. When I could hardly believe when in fact I lost everything in terms of denominational affiliation because of what I said. And now as an old man I'm still preaching this and having the same opposition but even more convinced this is the truth of God. And the Holy Spirit is bringing me and bringing you who listen to these words to just give up, surrender, to accept your acceptance. Look, see, when I when I began on this, they taught me surrender was to give something away. You know, in fact, I I was um, an artist or budding artist. You know, in art school, but I, I did a lot of oil painting. I'd illustrated a book as a young teenager. Um, but they told me, you see, and I think it's because you enjoy that, then it can't be right, can it? And so to please God, they said, you had to give it all up. And so because I, I, I believe what they said as a young kid, I, I took all of my paints and my brushes and my canvases and and I burned them for the glory of God. Oh, when I look back on that. What kind of a God do people believe in? But I did. I did. Because I thought that's what one had to do to be accepted by God. Anything that was happy and pleasing. Of course, I suppose if I had been painting texts from the Bible, that would have been okay. But because I painted nature and God's creation, that, that wasn't okay, you see. Maybe that's extreme. Maybe some of you are looking at me cross-eyed. Well, that's where I came from. When I saw the grace of God, just, I mean, it was like a, a sliver of sunlight through the dark clouds. I saw the grace of God. Do you know the first thing I did? You'll laugh at this. The first thing I did to celebrate the grace of God, I bought an ice cream cone on Sunday. Yeah. You think I don't know where you're coming from? 
I, I was portrayed a God who was enraged if you enjoyed anything on Sunday. You had to sit in silence and read your Bible. It was Sunday. God forbid you should enjoy an ice cream on Sunday. A mean God, a cruel God, a God that was forever annoyed with you and irritated, and you had to do daft things in order to try and convince him you meant it. And then I saw, he loves me, he likes me, he's for me. And he invented my creativity. He put inside of me the ability to paint. He made ice cream and said, enjoy it. He's a God who's on our side. That was a long time ago. And it was the beginning of what I'm saying tonight. It's time. Surrender means then I give up and accept that he loves me. That's surrender. Surrender and accept your acceptance. Stop trying to be accepted. He accepts you. Surrender and accept your acceptance. Stop struggling. Rest in the fact he calls you his beloved. Stop nervously, anxiously looking at all the things that might destroy you and separate you and rest in his love which wraps around you is a refuge and a strength stop going to bed at night wondering if you've sought the Lord enough and rest in the fact he has sought you and he's a lot better of finding what he's looking for than you are. He's found you. He loves you. He's pro you. He accepts you limitlessly. Because through Jesus Christ and the blood that he shed, he's taken away sin. And now his delight is to teach you his loving kindness day by day by day. Well, Believe it or not, I was going to finish this text tonight. Let your loving kindness, O Lord, be upon us, according as we have hoped in you. I got as far as the word loving kindness. So next week we'll finish the verse. And now the blessing of God, who is almighty love, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I bless you with the Holy Spirit himself opening the eyes of your understanding and bringing you to the fullness of your life in Christ. So I bless you this night and so it is. Amen.